it's good to see so many faces in the summertime. You never know what you're going to get. It's like a box of chocolates. You know, tennis is up, it's down, it's up, it's down. It's great to see everybody here. Uh, I double dog dare you by the end of August to make me have to go to two services. That's my double dog dare. See if we can do it. All right, how do you do that? Actually, we talk to people, but more on that later. So we're starting a new sermon series. It's called Travel Light because I figure, hey, summertime, people are traveling all the time. Uh, why not tr travel light? Why travel with heavy burdens? And so what we're going to talk about is not necessarily the physical travel or geographical travel, because travel doesn't just happen physically. Uh, travel also happens in our hearts, in our spirits. And so what we're talking about on this series is the journey of our heart and our spirit to be formed into the image of Christ. So that's where we're launching off today. We're going to cover a, a multitude of things. Uh, I think I just double tapped myself. There we go. All right. Now, here's the great irony as, as I was going through and naming all these sermons. Um, I'm talking about summer vacation and travel time, and every title has work in it. Uh, what's up with that? Anyway, so we're going to work out, we're going to work up, we're going to work through, and we're going to work toward in the month of July, and you'll see what I mean. So I have a, a scientific poll. I want to uh, get a little bit of feedback from you all. How many of you are like uber vacation planners? Like every detail has to be planned out, timed out. <laughs> you know what I find out? Maybe you can't see what I'm seeing. What I find ironic is how many of you are Uber vacation planners? How many people are going? <laughs> if you live with an Uber vacation planner, yeah, I, I get it. I totally get it. You know who you are. Yeah, we have counseling and therapy available. Kathy, can you stay afterwards, please? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, some people, they plan every little detail out. They want to know what time to wake up. They want to know what they're eating. Uh, they want to know, like, what flavor orange juice there is. Uh, I told you about my personal thing was reading all the plaques at the museums. I'm, I'm kind of a recovering Uber planner. I just kind of Uber. I, I don't really fully Uber plan. So uh, I, like, I, I like to have a schedule. I mean, it, I, I just can't deal with unformed time. It, it has to have some consistency to it. Uh, my wife, on the other hand, loves to kind of just play it by ear. So you get what it's like if you have this mix in your family. There, there's tension, right? Right? Yeah. No, there's never any tension in a marriage. Come on. You know, there's tension there. So my, my question is, like, if, if you promised your kids, hey, we're going to do this vacation thing, and it's going to be great. We're going to Disney World. We're going to see all this stuff. And you talk about it, and you talk about it, and you talk about it, and you never get around to it, and then you end up like this all summer. What are the kids' impression? What, how are they feeling in this moment, right? It's like, oh, they did a lot of talking, but there was no action. And maybe this is what vacation is all about. I guess this is vacation. We, we sit and we watch uh, Netflix binge watch or, or whatever that is, right? Way short of what it could be. Uh, that is not Disney World, right? Guaranteed. Of course, you're going to save a lot of money. That's a whole different issue, right? But this is not Disney World. And so I wonder if those kids sometimes think, well, you know, this is vacation. This is what it's all about. There's a lot of talk, but there's really no action. And why, does I, why do I say this to kick off this sermon series? Because here's, here's my personal belief. I think we do the same thing with our Christian faith, do we not? The Christian faith, you know, when you first hear about it, it sounds like Disney World. It's like there's all these wonderful things. Man, you're going to have strength for another day. You're going to have peace that passes understanding. You're going to be able to forgive and get past your guilt and your shame. All this weight that you're carrying is just going to shed off, and it's going to be wonderful. Now, is that true? Ooh, deafening silence from the crowd of Christians. Yeah, I, I set this question up on, on purpose. It is true if we actually put it into practice. 
And that's the whole point today, is it? it's all true if we will take action on that. But so often, we are just like those Uber vacation planners that never get around to actually doing it. And I'm chief among you, I, I will admit that. So this is an encouragement. It's meant to be an encouragement today to hear and do, and not just, just hear and go, oh, that was, a, that was a lovely song, that was a lovely message, and we walk out the door and we can't remember a thing that we're supposed to do with it, right? So this first part of our journey, this first part of our spiritual travels that we're traveling light with is to start thinking about, okay, I'm going to take this information in in a way that when I go out, I can actually do something with it. It becomes practical. It becomes useful. And so today we're going to dive into the book of Philippians. And just a little bit of background in, in the, that church in particular that Paul is writing to. He's writing them thanks because they have done so much to care for him while he's been in prison. And uh, frankly, he's writing a lot out of prison. Uh, that was before they had Netflix and, and a gym to work out in. So you had to write letters. That's what you did. So he's writing to say thanks, but he's also encouraging them because in that particular church, there's a, a heavy Roman culture, like Roman citizenship type culture, that's conflicting with the Christian, new Christian culture. And so some of the people are torn as, as part of their problem, but some of the people are feeling like, why am I doing all this stuff when it seems like everybody's distracted with all the other stuff that, that's going on? You know, they got this busy city, they're doing all these city things and these city people doing all that. Why am I trying to do this church thing? Does that sound familiar to anyone? We got, we got the rapidly growing area around us. You know, why are we bothering to do church things? Why are we bothering to talk about Jesus? And so we kind of get discouraged a little bit. And while we know this to be true, we forget this part, and we forget this part sometimes. And not words are, I'm not talking to you guys. I never talk to you guys. I talk about everybody else, right? Yeah. All right, so here we are today. We're at the setting of the second chapter, verses 12 through 16. And I'm just going to read it through. <clears throat> Excuse me. He says this, Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, Continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. Do everything without grumbling or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure, children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Then you will shine among them like stars in the sky as you hold firmly to the word of faith. And then I will be able to boast on the day of Christ that I did not run or labor in vain. These are the words of God for the people of God, and for these words we are grateful. Did you catch Paul's uh, encouragement? Did you catch Paul? It, it sounds a lot like a parent, right? Uh, I mean, if you <laughs> do everything without grumbling or arguing, how many times have you said that on a family vacation, right? Uh, so that you can be blameless and pure? Yeah, it, it sounds like he's trying to encourage them to not just what they do, but the way that they do it as well. And so there's a couple things I want to zero in on this verse. Uh, the first thing I notice is he's thanking them for their continued obedience. And, and obedience in, in our, our language kind of has a burden, like a ball and chain, like oh, I got to do this thing. But no, it's, it's, a, it's an obedience of joy. Actually, better said, it's an obedience out of love. For those of you who have been in a, a relationship, uh, married or you know, a significant other for a long period of time, you do certain things that you would never do by yourself, do you not? Why do you do that? I hope the answer is out of love, right? Not because you have to. 
Because if we, it would boil down to that, we just wouldn't do it. But we do certain things that we would never do because we love. That's the kind of obedience that Paul is talking about. And, and here's the old Bible trick. I got to tell you, every time you study the Bible, when you see the word therefore, what's it there for? And what's there before, right? So if you go back, this whole area of chapter 2 all the way up to verse 11 describes the best example of obedience out of love. And I bet you can't guess who it is. Softball right over the plate. Jesus, yes. Yeah. <laughs> We're on a roll. All right, so I want to zero in on two words because it says, for it is God who works in you to will and to act. And it also says this phrase, work out your salvation. Now, when you read this verse, this is part of the problem when you read the Bible out of context, just little bits at a time. It sounds like we're supposed to work out our salvation, which sounds like I have to do works to get my salvation. Is that true? <laughs> oh, we got that one. Good, good, right. No, you don't have to work. So what is Paul saying is work out salvation? Well, work out is, is like you do in a gym. But in, in the Christian sense, if Christ is living in me, Christ should come out of me. And that's the, the kind of workout that we're talking about, right? If Christ is in me, Christ should come out of me. This is not a self-contained Christ human. I was never built to be that way, and neither are you, by the way. We're not designed to just hold Christ. We're designed to share Christ. And so what we're working out is how do we show Christ to the world? And there's two key words that I want to zero in on. The first one is to will. The second is to act. Here's the biggest problem that I have. Maybe you can relate. I don't always like to do what God tells me to do. Kind of stubborn. Kind of independent sometimes. I don't really want to do that because it might make me uncomfortable. It's going to stretch me way outside my comfort zone. God, you don't really want me to do that, do you? That's three out of five, maybe? Uh, can we flip a coin? I'm always bargaining for God for something that, that, that stretches me. Or it's maybe just not convenient. This isn't the right time, God. Do you understand how much pressure I'm in? I can't possibly do this thing. Well, it's a good thing he doesn't ask me to do this thing. It's a good thing that he asks to do things through me because there's a whole different way of looking at life when we think of it that way. So the irony is for me to have the maximum will to do what God wants, I have to surrender my own will. How many times does the Bible sound totally upside down to you, right? The secret to willpower is to surrender. Said no one ever, right? <laughs> Right, but that's the truth. So if think about it. If, I'm, if I have my will in my way and I'm holding on to that, how can God possibly have his will in his way? Now, if you want to compare God's will and way to Bill's will and way, which one do you think is better? Oh, I'm hurt. Really? <laughs> I'm crushed. Of course God's way is better, right? Of course God's will is, is going to be the one that brings about the kingdom and is not my own selfish little desire. But for me to get there, to want to do what his will is, I have to surrender my will. How many people, and don't show me your hands, but in your heart ask this question, how many people are honestly willing to surrender your will to something else, someone else? And, and there's probably a little bit of, uh-uh, no, he didn't. Yeah, I did. I just ask you to surrender. And I'm asking myself again. I, I ask this question every day. Okay, every hour, if I'm being honest, right? Because I always have this, this thing in me that crops up that says, ah, I, I can do this. I got a better way. And it's not a better way. Uh, I have one advantage over some of you, not all of you, but some of you. I have a few trips around the sun. And so I had this opportunity to look back and go, wow, did I screw that up? 
wow, or the, the, the corollary, wow, did you see how God did in that? When I totally surrendered and look at what he did. It's amazing. So I want to tell you that it's true. It just needs to be true in our heart and true in our hands and our feet as we serve the world. That's the will part. Now, the most famous act of will out of love and surrendering your will is who? His picture's right there. <laughs> in the Garden of Gethsemane, what does he say? Nonetheless, you know, if there's any other way that this can happen, let this cup pass from me. But what does he say? Your will be done. If the son of the living God is willing to lay down his will to the father, how much more so should I be willing to lay down my will? That's the best example to will. And the cool thing is that this is God's working in us so that we can work out Christ through the world. As God works in us, we want what God wants. His will becomes our will. But if we stop fighting him for it, we've got to learn to let go. And ironically, hold on. We're going to get to the part in the verse later where it says hold firmly. So hold that thought for now. All right. So the second one, to act. Now, here's, here's the part where I think a lot of times we fall short. How many studies have you been in where you got some really cool information and then never did anything with it? Yeah, I've been in a lot. <laughs> I'm a pro, right? But yeah, well, that was really cool. I know this fact. Well, how did that fact change in my life? How did that fact change the life of anyone that I'm talking to or, or around? How did it change my family, my workplace, my school, my friends? And I'm ashamed to admit how many things that I know that I've never acted on. Because that's the, that's the disadvantage of having a few trips around the sun. I can also look back and go, wow, man, I <laughs> so much potential and so little action. And, and so here's what happens. You start to get this sense of regret, like, man, I blew it. I, I, I had all these opportunities and I wasted it. So if you're young or if you consider yourself young, hear this. The earlier you surrender to God's will, the earlier that you put him as a part of your life and you let Christ out of you, the less regrets you're going to have. Now, for us, with a few trips around the sun, there is nothing that God can't overcome. If you've got regrets, he, he's got things that will get way past that. If you've got burdens of shame and guilt, he's got forgiveness and grace. And he still has a place for us. He can still use us. In fact, he's probably never needed you more. Lots of opportunities. We're going to talk about a few of them. But to act. So what does this mean exactly? To act or does it mean action? Yes, <laughs> it means both. I found this quote from Francis Chan. I don't know if you all could read it back there. Let me read it to you. Christians in America have become experts at conviction and failures at action. Oh, man, that got me right in the heart. It's like, Francis, get out of my head. Get out of my life. I have strong convictions. I don't always have strong actions. Now, the act part is obviously, yeah, do things with the faith. You know, so, so do the things that you should do. Do, you know. Prayer, read, meet in community, serve the community, visit, help the poor. All those things require action. But here's the part that's nuanced and missed. It's not just what we do. It's how we do. It's the way that we do what we do that makes us different. That's what makes life different. How do I know this? Because, look, continue to read. As, as you get through here, fumble around in my, my page here. Uh, he says, 
For it is God who works in you to will and act in order to fulfill his good purpose. Look at the very next sentence. Do everything without grumbling or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure. He's not, he's not just what we do, it's how we do it. Now, again, I'm not talking about word serve, but let's just pretend there's a church that you come to and you think you might want to get involved and you start hanging around the people and they're arguing with each other or they're grumbling about something. It's too cold, it's too hot, it's too warm. The coffee's too cold, the coffee's not right. The, the donuts are gone. Where's the donuts, Bill? If you ask me that question, uh, uh, <laughs> I'm not going to call anybody out. <laughs> yeah, so, so is that really something that, that you want to be a part of and it's going to transform your life? Now there's just grumbling. Now, this particular grumbling that Paul's talking about is a throwback to the Old Testament. If you remember, God did this amazing thing. The Israelites were in slavery for years and years to Egypt. God sends a deliverer named Moses. He does all these amazing things, gets them all out. And what do they start doing almost immediately? Grumbling. Like, seriously, manna again? Like, how many times have we had this? How about a little meat? Oh, really? That, that's all you got? <laughs> How about delivery from the most powerful army in the known world at the time? I'm just going to grumble about that. You know, why don't we just go back there? Because at least there, we got three squares a day and a place to lay our heads. Out here, what, did you bring us out here to kill us? Does it sound familiar? Kind of sounds like kids on vacation if you take out the killing part. <laughs> but if you've been in the car for 12 hours, the killing part is an option. I'm just saying. <laughs> One of us is going to die. No. All right. <laughs> So it's the way that we do it. This grumbling is a throwback directly to, hey, look, Church of Philippi, God is doing an amazing thing through you. He is transforming Roman culture because this is a big city center. Now, we think about how often the city has a, a, a sway on what we do as Christians or what we can or can't do. What if it goes the other way? What if Christians have a sway on the big city people and those big cities people spread this message of hope? See, I'm not real fond of playing defense. Because the best you can do playing defense is what? Tie. That's the best you can do. But if you play offense, uh, you can win, right? No, I'm saying be an offensive. <laughs> let's, let's go and actually try to influence the culture around us because we've got something we're sharing. And it's not just what we do. It's how we do. So let's become better at action, but it's also, let's also do it without the grumbling. Let's slow it. How do you do that, though? How do you, how do you get away from the grumbling? Because there's always friction. People are people, right? Uh, some of you can't stand your pastor. I, I will pray for you. Uh, some of you have problems with somebody that uh, maybe isn't in the congregation or was in the congregation or maybe still is in the congregation. We're people. We have friction. But the way that I always look at it is I look at other people like God looks at them. God doesn't look at what you've done. God doesn't look at even who you are. God looks at what you can be. That's how I look at people. I, I, there's so many opportunities. When you look at someone and you say, man, if God could do a work in this person, what would that look like? What impact would they have in their family, in the community? Can you imagine how he sees us? I, I wish I could tell you that this is my go-to, this is my default. Oh, I look at people like they can be. No, that's not how I look at people. I'm going to be honest with you. I look at people differently. And if you've been around me long enough to know, uh, it, I'm just going to stop there. This is a conscious decision I have to make on a routine basis because I'm not Jesus. I'm not perfect. I'm just Bill. But I'm conditioning my mind to go, okay, stop, breathe, refocus. How would God see them as God works through them? 
It changes everything, I'm telling you. Uh, maybe you haven't encountered that yet, but here's an opportunity to practice. And it, <laughs> there's lots of opportunities to practice as long as there's people around, so uh, good news. All right, so how does this all look? Uh, I want to give you a more practical example. No, this is not a picture of me in Boy Scouts. It could be. Uh, but th this is where all this idea of actually putting something into action came into sh clear, sharp focus. It was Boy Scout camp uh, uh, many years ago, and my number one goal in going to Boy Scout camp was to get rifle and shotgun merit badge. Yeah, anybody with me there? Yeah, because that's just cool. Because I had shot BB guns. I, I, I think I was almost born with a gun in my hand, but I shot uh, BB guns and things like that, but never a real gun even though that real gun was a 22, but that's okay. It was a bolt-action rifle, probably World War II surplus, I'm guessing. I don't know. But it was the coolest thing. I wanted that so I could shoot a real gun. And, and if I got the merit badge, then, then Dad would let me shoot the real guns. That was a requirement, by the way. He wasn't going to train me himself. He was a terrible teacher. But <laughs> don't do as I do, do as I say kind of guy, right? So I wanted that merit badge more than anything. And I was so excited when you have to sign up, and sometimes you get bumped because the class is full. And I was like, oh, I made it in. Oh, yes. And my, my, me and my best buddy got in the same class. This is going to be awesome. The, the session was seven days long. You know what we did for the first six days? <sighs> Safety. We read and read. And then they handed us the rifle. I'm like, yes, on day five. Yes! Guess what we did for the next two days? Day five was cleaning. Day six was dry fire. Click. Click. Wow. So glad I signed up for this. All right? I was like, you got to be kidding me. This is terrible. And then day seven, finally, I heard the magic phrase. Load and make ready. I'll tell you what, my heart rate picked up because that means you take a live round and you insert it into the chamber, and you lock it down, and you know all of it. I'm not kidding you. Like, your heart rate raises. Your fingers start to tremble. They're like, when I pull this trigger, something's going to go boom. This is awesome, right? And so your, your pace quickens. And the same thing with the, with the reason I'm telling you all this is this is the way faith is a lot of times. We, we come to a small group. We come to a sermon. We hear things. We ingest things. We read things. We know things. But when in your Christian life have you gotten an adrenaline rush for Jesus? When has Jesus said, Jeff, load and make ready? And you know that whatever happens next is going to go boom, right? Boom for Christ. That, that probably is not right. <laughs> the Holy Spirit comes in like a Russian wind and fire. How's that? That's better, right? All right, so load and make ready. All of a sudden now, all that stuff that I've done becomes real. It becomes alive, much like our faith. That's why we put word and serve together. We don't want to just know stuff. We want to do stuff. We want to load and make ready so that the kingdom of heaven is seen by the people around us. But it doesn't stop there. We've got to aim. What is our aim here? Well, our aim in the, in the target sense is very clear. You've you got a target. It's right there. Our aim in the Christian life is a little bit more murky. I wish there was a bullseye that God would say, every morning I wake up and there's a bullseye painted somewhere and go, Bill, that's your target for the day. I wish that's the way it worked. Anybody have that sense of clarity? Yeah, me either. But here's how I do think it works, because as you're reading the text, it says, do everything without grumbling or arguing, so that you may become blameless and pure, children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. There's our bullseye. That's what we aim for every day. 
to be a child of God, to act like a child of God, not just in what we do, but the way that we do it. To be faultless and blameless, say, I'm not very good at that either, but if I've got Christ in me, there's a big head start. If I continue to cycle Christ through me, there's an even bigger head start. That's how we aim. So that when we fire, when God pulls the trigger and says, go, I don't know, that phrase sounds familiar. Go and make disciples of all the nations. Does that sound familiar to anyone? We've already done the loading and make ready. We've already aimed. And we become, this is my favorite part. Actually, I've got it on the screen here if I, if I keep going here. Uh, well, we'll get to that in a second. We become like stars in the sky. And this is the part where as I let go of my will, look at the next line. As you hold firmly to the word of life. Let go of my will. Hold firmly to the word of life. So how do we do, word surf? This is how do you do. By the way, the contraction howdy, how do you do? Howdy, right? Now you know. All right. So <laughs> free tip from Google anytime. All right. So how do you do? Here's how we do at word surf. There's many opportunities. You can sign up to serve. There's all kinds of ways to serve locally and beyond. We've got Faithful Kids. We've got Operation Christmas Child coming up. We've got the Sealy Pregnancy Center that always needs assistance. These are ways that you can actually do things. And you can practice how we do things as you do them. You can go back to your group, which you can also sign up for, and say, hey, I tried to do this. It didn't really work out. What do you think I'm doing wrong? Can you give me some help here You with a few trips around the sun or a, few, a little bit of experience? This is, these are two things that you can do easily. Sign up to serve. Sign up to serve on a Sunday. Sign up to be the person that stands there at the door and shakes someone's hand and say, man, I'm glad you're here. Wouldn't it be weird if you just walked in and nobody talked to you? Does that happen to anybody at WordServe? I grimace. Good. All right. Good. So hopefully it shouldn't. Uh, how many, <clears throat> excuse me, how many people love coffee? Yeah. Yeah, well, uh, somebody makes it every Sunday. And, and if you want to be a part of that, man, this is a great opportunity. And it doesn't sound like much. But if you have to wake up a little earlier and get here a little bit earlier than anybody else and make coffee so that everybody can have a dose of the living liquid, <laughs> and you can do it without grumbling or complaining, you're making progress in your spiritual life. It's a little thing, but it's the way that we do it that helps that transformative power. Greet, coffee, communion. These are easy things. These are low-hanging fruit. And then we serve into the world. We do things like help kids that don't have food or villages that don't have water. All these things, it's all on the same scale. Um, and, and here's the other thing. It's like, well, I don't know enough. Um, I, I, I sometimes get anonymous feedback. I don't know if this affects anybody here, but I just want to use this as one example. I'm not trying to shame anybody, but some people were uh, talking about communion. Uh, communion servers like, well, I'm not, I'm not really worthy to serve communion. Let me, let me give you this encouragement. If communion serving depended on the human serving it, no one would serve communion, not even me. It's not about us. It's about what God can do through us. So do what you know, learn as you go. You know, when we were kids, we mastered this, did we not? Like, hey, you want to play Calvin Ball? Yeah, I don't know what Calvin Ball is, but sure, I'll learn as I go. We had no fear, no limitations. Hey, you want to go do this thing that you've never done before? Absolutely, if it's with you, it's going to be fun. We'll make it up as we go and we'll learn. As adults, we want to know everything before we get into it because we don't want to look dumb, we don't want to make mistakes, or we don't want to be inconvenienced. These are my three big excuses. I don't know about you. I want to know everything. I've lost that childlike faith that says, yeah, I'm in. What, what am I doing? 
God can work through that. Do what you know and learn as you go. You know more than you think. How many people know the great commandment and the great commission? Love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strengthen your neighbor as yourself. And then go and make disciples. That's all you need to know. Seriously. We make way too much of this. Now just go and do that. And then the last thing, to what end? To what end are we doing all this? Well, here's to what end. This is my, whoops, I double tapped again, sorry. Uh, then you will shine among them like stars in the sky as you hold firmly to the word of life. When we shine like stars, think about the context in which this was written, the time in which this was written. What are stars all about in that day and age? What do they do with stars? Bingo. Man, you guys pinged right on it. There's two things that they did. One was they worshiped because like, whoa, there's something bigger than me out there. And the two is navigation. This is how you travel. Stars help them travel. So when we become stars, we help people travel, travel light, if you will. And it's not about us. It's not about me throwing up a big light and going, look at me. It's about me throwing up a big light saying, look at him. For some people, that's going to be the North Star that guides them home. Maybe that's you. Maybe that's someone in your family, someone in your school. It's that North Star that brings us back, that guides us home. So we do things so that we can hold up his light, so that people can find their way home. And, and WordServe, if you don't think this isn't a part of your culture, I remind you of your simple logo. This is the Bible laying like this. These are the pages that come alive off the words, not just as we know things, but as we do them. And the way that we do them shines before men so that they can see, not our good works, but so they can see him. And that North Star is what brings us home. Word serve, here's an opportunity to travel together. I want to invite you on this summer vacation. And I know what you're thinking if you've been around for a while. You want me to sign up for groups? You want me to sign up for all this stuff? But this is summertime. Not much is going on. Your timing is a little off, Bill. No, my timing is perfect because I want you to load and make ready. I want you to aim over the next couple of months so that when we get the big surge in signups come August, you're ready to fire. Let your light shine. Bring people home. Will you pray with me, please? <clears throat> God, we thank you for the light of the world that came and lived among us. We thank you for that light that will never be overcome by darkness. God, as we look at what we have to offer, uh, we often feel inferior because we're not you, we're not your son, Jesus Christ, but that's okay. What we have to offer is a vessel that you can work through. And God, my prayer is that we would not only learn the word, but that we would serve the world with it, that we would take in Christ and give out as abundantly as we have been given and as freely as we have been given. God, I want to pray that anyone who is uh, feeling like they're out of their comfort zone or feeling like they don't have time or feeling any other barrier to doing, to serving, would reconsider because it is in the service that we put the North Star in the sky and it's the North Star, North Star in the sky that brings us home. God, bring us all home this morning, and then let us go and shine your light to the world. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.